This Week in Startups is brought to you by SendPro Online from Pitney Bowes. Save time and money no matter what you ship or mail. Try it free for 30 days and get a free 10-pound scale when you visit pb.com slash twist. NetSuite by Oracle, the business management software that handles every aspect of your business in an easy-to-use cloud platform. Right now, NetSuite is offering you valuable insights with a free guide called Seven Key Strategies to Grow Your Profits at netsuite.com slash twist. And LinkedIn. You need LinkedIn jobs to find the right people for your business. Post a job today at linkedin.com slash twist and get $50 off your first job post. Upcoming launch event. Get your free founder pass or purchase a VIP ticket for Launch Scale in San Francisco, October 7th and 8th at launchscale.net slash tickets. Hey, everybody. Hey, everybody. Welcome to This Week in Startups. We've got an amazing episode for you today. There is a new revolution going on in startup land. It's called the no-code movement. What does no-code movement mean? Okay, very simple. It means when you start a company, you don't need a developer. Wait, what? You don't need a developer? I thought Y Combinator only accepted developers. I thought that was the key thing that venture capitalists made their decision on. Well, the truth is that as the tools have gotten more sophisticated and as the glue between them, APIs, have become more sophisticated, doing workflow apps, let's say you sign up for something, you get an email in response, maybe you leave a message, maybe you subscribe and pay for something, all of those little tools, those components of a website or those components of an app have now been productized and you can drag and drop them and make a website. You've seen this with things like Squarespace, right? You can build a beautiful website with Squarespace, use the code TWIST, and get 10% off, yada, yada, yada. But that WYSIWYG movement has now leveled up, and now you have things like Zapier, and If This Then That, you have tools like Slack, you have things like Stripe, you have SurveyMonkey and Typeform. All these tools have been built with glue, and we're seeing at the Launch Accelerator, our accelerator, companies show up that have 10K, 20K a month in revenue, They've never hired a developer. They've never done the 12-month build a product, then launch it and see if anything happens. So the MVP movement that Steve Blank and Eric Reese pioneered, where you could put out a minimum viable product, that doesn't mean a ishy product, like a bad product. It just means the least amount of product you can make in order to test your theory. So people are now doing this without a developer. What this means is, A million more startups will be created in the next decade because of the no-code movement. And the leader of the no-code movement, Vlad Magdalene, is on the program today, uh, and he is the CEO and co-founder of Webflow. Now, what's also really interesting about this company is that they are also part of a new movement I call the Pegasus Movement. Have you heard of this I have not. Welcome to the program, Vlad. You haven't heard of it because I haven't published the blog post yet, but I got to do it now before this episode comes out. Pegasus (laughs) movement is the much more um, exciting movement than the unicorn movement. It's the founders who are so good at what they do, so capital efficient and so fearless in charging for their products and having profits Mm -hmm. that they can fly above the unicorns and the venture capitalists and skip rounds of funding is a pretty it. good analogy. I love it. It's and great. we've seen it four times. Com.com, $5 million valuation. Then they went to 250 mm-hmm. What happened to those three rounds in between? They didn't do them 
Mm-hmm. No cap table dilution. Fitbod, when they started with us at our accelerator, 3000 a month in revenue, now 850 They haven't done a round since they came out of the accelerator and did their seed. Wow. Uh, we also saw it um, uh, with Notion, I think, skipped mm-hmm. a couple of rounds. They're part of this movement. We didn't. We weren't able to invest in them, and that is kind of a signature of the Pegasus movement is that they fly so high that <laughs> nobody can catch them, right? It's hard yeah, to catch yeah. a Pegasus. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have one other company will come to me in our portfolio that also has skipped multiple rounds of funding because of profitability. You started this company when? Uh, in late 2012. And you worked on it for a couple of years, and then you were going to quit because it wasn't working. Is this true? Uh, so actually, the uh, this last attempt was the fourth attempt at uh, having it starting the company. Wow. So the first attempt was in 2004, I believe. I'm getting the the yeah. uh, timing right. Then 2006, then 2007, uh, and then again the last time in 2012. All the same corporate entity or they were just projects? Uh, all different entities, different co-founders. First two were just by myself. Second one was uh, different co-founders, one of whom is actually working at Webflow now. Great. Uh, this last time hopefully last time, yeah. last and final time, uh, was uh, started in late 2012. And th- uh, like that's around the time where, um, so the same co-founders as now, one of them is my brother, one of them is a um, co-worker at Intuit. Um, that's when I almost went bankrupt and the company went bankrupt. Wow. Uh, because we, we first wanted to just bootstrap, we wanted to do a, a Kickstarter campaign, and I only had like three months of family runway to like invest in the company. It ended up, so I kind of promised my wife like, oh, we're gonna get fun within no problem two th- yeah of yeah. course i mean yeah. not not a big deal leave this you know well-paying job and uh just do the startup thing uh but then we ended up going uh, more than 12 months without funding oh wow so that's where and my on fumes m- on fumes and my daughter ended up having a uh, really like critical uh surgery oh, and gosh, it was like sorry. catastrophic health insurance and so we almost uh kind of fizzled out about six months after founding Wow. Um, this was like pre-Y Combinator, uh, pre-funding and everything. We were like about ready to give up, go back to our jobs. I'm uh, falling then... in love with you right now, Vlad. I'm <laughs> literally like as an investor and a founder, it's just like, <laughs> I always tell people the reason companies fail is not because they run out of money. It's because mm-hmm. the founder quits. Yep. You absolutely. worked with no salary and you convinced your team and your co-founders to work without a salary? Yep. For yep. six months, 12 months? For 12 months, uh, actually, oh, such uh, a 12 samurai. months total, the last three months oh. were working on uh, minimum wage because YC told us, hey, you have to pay yourselves. Uh, if if one of the founders quits and didn't get paid, then there's like a- Yeah, liability. Know, exactly. Because you don't exactly. own the IP assignment. Exactly. The intellectual uh, so property. So there has to be like consideration. There has to be something uh, in order for you to own that IP. Right. Yeah. And it wasn't until August 2013, uh, in September 2013, when we did our seed round that we were able to actually pay ourselves. And, and you posted this story on Hacker News, I guess, back in 2013. Yeah, so that's, that's the, didn't post the full story, yeah. didn't, uh, but we did uh, around the beginning of 2013. That's when we were like, I was almost bankrupt. Uh, you know, we we're considering moving back and going uh, back to our jobs. Uh, that's when we said, look, we have to like, give ourselves a deadline a month and post something on Hacker News. We're not going to be able to build a full product. Uh, just post an idea of it mm. and then see if it sticks. Yeah. And it and it stuck. Like the It was number one on Hacker News for the whole Amazing. day. Uh, for those gave, who don't know, Hacker News is like Reddit, but for founders and developers. Yeah, Started by like, Y Combinator. You can go to news.ycombinator.com. And I right. love this tweet. My Webflow journey, 2004 idea, <laughs> 2005 first try failed, 2006 married. 2007, second try failed. 2008, third try failed. 2009, kid number one. 2010, 
Day Job, 2011. Kid 2. 2012 fourth try, YC says no. 2013 YC says yes, funded. Get 100K in the bank. 2014, hard work begins. Wow. You are a real Jedi samurai. <laughs> it didn't love. feel like it at the time. I'll, of course it doesn't. You, yeah. Go watch the seven samurai when they're in the mud. Go watch right. you know, Luke Skywalker lose a hand. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is serious business entrepreneurship. And we live in a time of entitlement. Yeah. Unlimited vacation, work <laughs> from home, free food, all kinds of nonsense. You yeah. worked with no salary for a year. Mm-hmm. Trudging through the mud. What kept you at it in those moments? What is it about you and your team that you just would not give up? Two things. Uh, one of them, blind optimism. <laughs> like in the moment, it just felt like, oh, it's right around the corner. This is going to work out. Like it didn't, to my wife, it didn't feel that way. Yeah. Uh, it, but to, God bless to, the spouses. I mean, they... Yeah. The, the amount of commitment um, that's required is just nuts to think yeah. about um especially not seeing like everything like all the all the potential promise like the vision mm-hmm. i had in my head for you know for this product for this yeah. movement etc um so that that's part of it sort of like blinds you to reality uh and make has you uh, make like pretty dumb financial decisions like i pulled out almost all of my money from 401k which is like a huge penalty when you do it yeah you gotta uh, pay tax for, on it exactly um which, you know, I wouldn't advise friends to do, no. but, you know, in the moment, it's like, all right, it's just like yeah. another place to get money uh, okay. to, to pay the bills, et cetera. Um, and this is with a kid. This is two kids at with the time. With two kids at yeah. the time. Uh, they were one and three when we first Yeah, that's started. quite a discussion with your uh, spouse. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to take $50,000 out of a 401k. Right, exactly. And plow it into my third swing at bat, fourth swing at bat. And it wasn't just that we had to sell. We had to sell two cars and switch them to because we had you know cars yeah. that we had paid for before. We uh, sold both cars and switched to leases, so that yeah. way it's like you get some cash in the bank to pay for rent, wow. and then you you have like wow. you know a couple hundred dollars a month or whatever. And I think we racked up close to sixty k in credit card debt. You know those like uh, personal. Uh, yeah, exactly. Those uh, you know two percent. You'd sign yourself a check for. Yeah. And of course, it's like I'm speaking from a position of privilege. The fact that I had the credit yeah. is awesome. A lot yeah. of people don't have that, uh, but it was still yeah. You weren't going to have it for much ra- longer. Let's right, be razor's edge for sure. Yeah. The second part, I think, is um, you know what you mentioned around like the impact of like this this vision of what no code can do. Mm. This started in 2000. Um, for when I wrote my senior project on on this idea, because I was working at an agency and I saw what uh, I was a intern that was translating designs into production. So Where basically, is this? this was in San Luis Obispo. Uh, I was going to Cal Poly, and oh. there was an agency called Web Associates. Now, like they've been in uh, St. Louis Obispo. What's uh, it like S- down there? San Luis Obispo. San Luis Obispo. That's, uh, it's, it's amazing. The, it's Central like, Coast. Yeah, it's like if I've never could, been there, but people rave about. I it. I want to retire there. Yeah. It's amazing. It's like the weather's great. It's the beach is right there. It's a Small college community, town. right? Yeah, it's it's amazing. Um, Why hasn't that blown up? Like, because you would think that San Francisco and LA would become yeah. a mega city at one point and everything in between would connect them, kind of like in Judge Dredd, yeah. but without the dystopian right, kind right. of <laughs> parts to it. But you would think like, you know, Tokyo has expanded and mm-hmm. just keeps growing. Mm-hmm. Why hasn't... Silicon Valley grown down to St. Louis Obispo or, you know, I mean, Santa Barbara and Los Angeles connected. I think transportation infrastructure one. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Tokyo is amazing train coverage. Bullet train, yeah. Yeah, uh, here we don't have the, the same. And I think uh, now with remote, like more remote companies, more yeah. remote tools, this is starting to happen. Yeah, it's uh, going to so, be big. Yeah, yeah. All Especially right, when, we, when we get back from this quick break, you just raised $72 million. 
$278 million pre-money valuation, put you at a $350, $400 million post. And the whisper number, $20 million plus in revenue. What I want to know when we get back from this break is what was it like to go back to venture capitalists who said no to mm -hmm. you for a decade yeah. and for you to turn over the stone cold nuts yeah. and then have those venture capitalists fund your company with a $72 million air quotes series A when we get back on This Week in Startups. You are a busy founder. We know this. And you should not be waiting in line at the post office. You need to send packages all the time. I know that. I do too. Well, you're going to do that right now by not searching for postal rates, not searching for packaging. Nope. You're going to go to Send Pro Online from Pitney Bowes, and you'll be able to send all of your packages, all of your mail, right from your desk, or as low as $4.99 a month. It's basically free. And no matter what you send, the packages, overnights, or letters are going to get there perfectly. Just click Send and Save with this offer for Send Pro Online. For $4.99 a month, you can print and ship labels, okay, nice and easy, as well as stamps. No more going to your uh, post office. You can get those stamps right off your own printer, and you're going to compare the rates using their online software so you get the best deal. And you're going to gain access to very special USPS savings for letters and priority mail shipping. People don't know about priority mail from the U.S. Postal Service, but it is awesome and it's affordable. So you can track your shipments and get email notifications when they arrive. Here's your call to action. This Week in Startup listeners receive a free 30-day trial plus a free 10-pound scale to accurately weigh packages because that's usually the you overpay and you just throw 20 extra stamps on there because you don't want to get it sent back. That's dumb. Get the free scale, people. Go to pb.com slash twist, pb.com slash twist to get your free 30-day trial plus a free 10-pound scale. Experience the better way to ship with a free trial of SendPro Online from Pitney Bowes. Save time and money. Okay, let's get back to this amazing episode. Welcome back to This Week in Startups. I'm your host, Jason Calacanis. <laughs> On tilt because somebody blocked my garage and I was about to ice pick their tire, Brooklyn style. Hey, but speaking of ice picking, Vlad, you uh, you must have visited dozens of investors mm -hmm. during your decade-long suffering journey to get Webflow to this tremendous outcome. Mm -hmm. And then at some point, they could deny you no longer. Tell me about that. Tell me about all the no's you got and uh, what that did to you psychologically. Talk to my wife. Uh, in 2013, when we were raising our seed round, yeah. uh, this is post uh, YC demo day. So, you know, we thought uh, the the story in our heads was once you go through YC, you're sort yeah, of you're like done. golden child, yeah, et cetera. No. Um, How many people you have in your class? 150? No, our class was really small. We had forty-five companies. Oh, okay. Uh, this was the last like PG class uh, uh, before, before PG they retired, started. Before yeah. they started doing like two uh, or like four office group. hours, two dinners, or whatever. Yeah, it's crazy. So it was still it was still a, a batch where I knew everybody. Um, but you and, didn't clear a market. Sorry, you didn't clear a market graduating. Well, when we um, when we went to raise money, we had like the the problem of half of investors saying, hey, this is like too complicated for me to understand. Uh, you know, this is not, um, it's not easy to use, right? Because it's, Webflow is a powerful tool. And we had the, uh, on the other side, we had, this just isn't powerful enough because we had a developer try it out and it just doesn't do uh, anything. Yet. So you're kind of like in this, you know, 
no man's land of yeah. uh, too Valley complicated or too, yeah, and we don't see a market here. Valley of startup death. And this is the problem with these VCs. They actually think they need to understand mm -hmm. the market as opposed to just trusting a high performer like yourself. Well, we weren't high performers back then, so I yeah. sort of gave them the benefit of the doubt. And no, you at shouldn't, the time- because you, you had a great vision. They should have just trusted your vision. I, I, I agree with you, and some investors did. Uh, I think we talked to, we had like 65, uh, 70 conversations. I went back to our spreadsheet of the like yeah. post-demo day. Yeah. And it was like, you know, going in, talking to these powerful people. I had like anxiety every morning, waking up in cold sweats of like yeah. another rejection, another like slow so process brutal. of, you know, just even, even tell me a no, mm. uh, rather than, you know, kind of drag the conversation along. Uh, so thankfully we did find some, some investors who believed in the vision. A lot of the, it, it, there's a lot of timing too, because in 2013, mobile is all the rage. Yeah. So you say anything about websites or the web and it's like, why are you working? Yeah. You should make this for mobile. Yeah, why are you working in this dying industry? Why don't you do this industry? on an iPad? Exactly. You're just like, because 3% <laughs> of web consumption is tablets. Well, to, to the point where we actually ended up updating our slides to like, oh, sure, we're going to work on mobile. <laughs> just, to, just to get the- Be VC bait. Just exactly. to preempt the stupid questions. Exactly. Even though we, we were all in on the web. So what did we, you raise after uh, Demo Day? We raised 1.4. Okay. Uh, well, that's good to go. Yeah. Gives yeah. you 18 months of runway, right, whatever, right. 24 and, months. And then uh, shortly after, maybe six months, one of the uh, insider investors sort of doubled down and Great. put another 1.5. Oh, who's that? Uh, that was, uh, they're now known as Rainfall Ventures. Wow. Uh, they saw our vision for CMS and just put in a lot more money. Love it. They wanted to sort of like do a an A round, but we were ready for that. And it was um, just the right time. Uh, and that money kept you going along with these crazy profits, this crazy new innovation you right. found, profitability. So, so we didn't have profits at the time. Right. We were making, I think when we raised our, our seed round, the first one, we were making maybe I don't know, 5K MRR. Yeah. Um, so definitely not enough to pay for three people, let alone, uh, yeah. you know, the 10 people we to need. pay for a third of a person right. in Silicon Valley. <laughs> uh, but the 1.5 we raised in addition to that, uh, mm -hmm. towards, I guess you call that like a rolling round. Mm -hmm. um, definitely, if we didn't raise that, we would have been in a totally different position. Yeah. Because that 1.5, eventually about a year and a half to two years later, uh, that funded the creation of our visual CMS, which mm -hmm. is the, uh, what led us to this like no code path from just a, a website builder to yeah. like a more generic way to to build way more powerful things than just yeah. like landing pages. Um, and by the time we built that and that started scaling, uh, that's when we got to uh, break even. Uh, but at that point, I think we had 1 million left in the bank. So without the 1.5, you wouldn't have made it. We wouldn't have, have been it. short. Yeah, we would have had to. You go wouldn't back. hit the run. Yeah. Exactly. You would have missed the to, runway. Exactly. We would have had to go back to investors. And not we good have, to like, land the in the trees. That, exactly. Yeah, not good. Um, so after that, we we sort of got to break even um, in t late 2015 onwards. We were break even. So essentially, uh, as we grew revenue, we hired more people. So great. Et cetera. That's and, such a great moment when you hit break even. Yeah, and it just feels like. You know, you're in control of your own destiny. You it's can, the greatest. You can, you can wait. You can, mm -hmm. um, like any conversation where it's like, oh, you need to raise money now. You're like, oh, I can wait another year and it'll be like, it'll be worth double. When and you we'll are, have double the revenue. When you hit that break even, it's, it's, you ever run a marathon or a half marathon or anything like that? I have. Marathon, half marathon or half, and I half marathon. hurt my leg. <laughs> anyway, you know, when you're coming yeah. around the bend and yeah. you can hear them, you know, right. cheering you yeah, on yeah. at the finish yeah. line yeah. or you see the finish line a half mm -hmm. mile ahead and mm -hmm. you know you're at that, like you're at 12, yeah. 12 yeah, and yeah. a half. That's the feeling when you hit that break even. It's like you just cross that finish line and you're like, I did it. Yeah. We're not going to go away. Right. We're going to be around. Mm -hmm. Such I, a good feeling. It, does, it definitely didn't feel like it got like 
a lot easier because it's still hard to run a company to scale a company, especially with but so many people. But the existential threat yes. is gone. Yes, you're default alive. Default uh, alive without yeah. others. Uh, you know, the only thing we rely on is our customers. No and our more team. begging. Yep, exactly. It's so great. Yeah, it's such a great feeling. Like the customers are the boss. Yes. Uh, your roadmap and your vision is the boss now. Right. Not like somebody dangling. Somebody who uh, doesn't understand the vision right. and is like, well, I talked to my developer friend and they right, said right. this is weak sauce. <laughs> yeah. And I talked to my knucklehead friend who uh -huh. said they don't need this because they can just pay somebody to do it. For sure. There's nothing here. Mm -hmm. uh, so what was it like then? when you started going back to the VC community, or I assume they're now knocking on your door because so they're hearing the, the whisper number. So with, now yeah. they're, yeah, yeah. hello? Right. <laughs> hello, we turned you down. Yeah. Can uh, we come in? So for um, the second round, uh, all the VCs came to us. Um, oh, yum, yum. It was it was a of the ball. ongoing kind of conversation of inbound, you know, inbound interest, et cetera. You had some of the ones who said no, certainly amongst that group. Trying to remember. One or um, two must have tried to make a make good. Yeah, yeah. What's that moment that. like? What's that moment like? Do they, do they address it or is it just sort of like nobody says it in the meeting like we passed or, you know, what a mistake we made. Let's make up for it. Or do they just come in and they're just like, yeah, great, great progress. And they just wash over the no. Yeah, honestly, it wasn't the same people involved. Oh, I see. Same so, firms, different yeah, people. Yeah, so it wasn't like, mm. and I didn't feel sort of a sense of like, ah, gotcha, or yeah. you know, I'm, but you're I have something it. Or like an axe to grind or whatever. But you're feeling it. It definitely feels like you're on yeah. the other side of the table for sure. Yeah. Um, but it's in our case, there it wasn't since the parties were different. Mm. Um, I didn't have like that immediate. How do you pick? How do you pick when everybody's on your doorstep knocking mm -hmm. like that? Is it just like whoever pays the highest price or Absolutely whoever not. has the Absolutely the not. best, uh, the largest number of unicorns and previous success? How do you think about it? Uh, or how did us, you think about it? So I probably talked to 100 partners, mm. um, you know, one-on-one -on -one breakfast, drinks, dinners, whatever. Um, it came down um, to relationship, first of all, mm. like just a, a level of trust and um, like I could see spending time with this person as a friend um, and as a colleague, as a mentee, a mentor, uh, somebody to like learn and grow with, just a true partner. Mm. Um, so that's first. Second uh, is the vision. Like, is, can somebody get me more excited about the vision uh, than I can even get myself excited yeah. about it? And that happened with wow. uh, with our current partner, Arun, Arun. From, uh, Excel. from Excel. Was well, he somewhere else before that? Was he at? He was at Excel for more than a decade. He was wow. just a principal. Um, ah. I think he's a pretty recent uh, full partner. If you don't know your numbers, if you're not on top of your numbers, you don't know what's going on in your business. It's just a hodgepodge of a bunch of disparate systems, accounting, inventory, sales. You don't have any ground truth. You don't know what's going on with your business. It's a big, giant, inefficient mess. We know this is true. And you know what? If you don't know your numbers, that's going to hurt your bottom line. You're not going to be able to do forecasting. You might run out of money. You might miss opportunities. And that's where NetSuite by Oracle comes in. It's the business management software that helps you handle every single aspect of your growing business in one easy-to-use cloud platform. NetSuite gives you visibility and control so that you can grow, and it will help you save time and money and remove all those crazy headaches that you're dealing with now. You're going to get all of your sales information, your finance, your accounting, orders, HR instantly on your desktop or huh, on your phone. 
That's why NetSuite is the world's number one cloud business system. So here's your call to action. Right now, NetSuite is offering you valuable insights with a free guide called the seven key strategies to grow your, not your business, your profits, huh? Even better. And you can get this guide right now, netsuite.com slash twist. And here it is. I've been reading it. It's awesome. netsuite.com slash twist. Go ahead and get it for free. Get that free guide, the seven key strategies to growing your profits. And, uh, you know, some of them driving down costs. That's another way. Huh? Tax, regulation, compliance. You need to know about that. Selling more to your existing customers, aka land and expand. Finding new channels to reach your customers, new revenue streams. And of course, unlocking global markets. So much good stuff in here. Go ahead and get it at netsuite.com slash twist. Thanks to NetSuite for supporting independent media like This Week in Startups. Let's get back to this amazing episode. What was it about a run? Um, what was it about her? Yeah. So, so the relationship for sure. Like the fact that... You know, well, I'm, you said also though the vision part. I'm getting. Oh, at. the vision. He said like he had more to add to the vision. I think is the way you said yeah, it, or, yeah, yeah. or so, equal or yours. So he he understood it as opposed to the people who didn't the no code thing. But he added something to it. Yes. So here's here's what he added. Uh, almost all conversation that I had with VCs were, hey, great, this Webflow thing is working. Like web uh, website design, website publishing. You all are uh, disrupting WordPress. Mm. And look at how many websites. Like you you now power zero point zero zero five percent of the internet but wordpress owns 38 percent. look at that opportunity yeah it's so massive like you can go after yum, shopify etc mm. you can go up market you can build an enterprise sales team yeah. it's all about like all right here's this thing working let's just pour more money into it right um whereas my first conversation with arun was like that's interesting this is great but you can really change the world with taking this way that you can apply no code to websites and apply it to all software yeah. you can get like you said, millions of new products being created. You can you can have like entire businesses, just like what spreadsheets did. Capitalism is so important. Think about this. Mm -hmm. You got these socialist <laughs> a holes in the world who want. Where's this going? <laughs> I'm going to tell you where All it's right. going. Stick with me here for a second. All right. You saw the opportunity and uh -huh. suffered for a decade through it yeah. because we have a capitalistic society. Where a person who's willing to suffer mm -hmm. and take risk like yourself, credit card debt, you know, 401k, you do that because there is a reward in part mm -hmm. for doing that. Sure. And there are people who don't understand that capitalism, as flawed as it can be on the margins, yeah. is the best system because the ramification of your success, mm -hmm. you and your partners not giving up, a very individual sacrifice. That's what capitalism is about at its core. Individuals believing they can change the world. Now, the ripple effect of what mm -hmm. you're doing, the 10,000 startups that will exist every year, and then next year, 100,000 and maybe a million, mm -hmm. that I'll invest in, and YC will invest in, and venture capital, that catalytic effect is what makes the human species go forward right. and creates wealth for everybody. The trickle-down effect, and people are like, oh, trickle-down doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. The fact that you're going to enable a group of people who are not developers to make mm -hmm. websites and businesses, and then I, I or YC is going to look at that and say, "Yeah, no code's a thing. No, we're, we're not going to be precious about it being no code." Yeah, you're going to enable another whole swath of people to participate in capitalism. Do you realize how profound that is? I think that's super profound. I wouldn't attribute that to capitalism, though. Like, what drives me personally yeah. is the impact and the dent in the universe, not like you know, money or how much yeah. stock I own. But go ahead and try it in Russia or China. Totally. Yeah. I think I think that's a- Because if you do it in Russia or China, 
they're going to basically take the business from you. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm a dual Russian citizen. Exactly. I'm a citizen here and there. I would not go start a business there. I mean, uh, so I think the system here that incentivizes entrepreneurship yeah. is amazing. Yeah. I think the uh, sort of systemic effects of how much, uh, mm. you know, founders are like, whether it's through attention or money or like... Um, it's weird. Like how much they're incentivized, yeah. right? To, to sometimes you have like this 500 to one ratio between a CEO and, and yeah. a, a person doing like incredibly hard work to get that yeah. mission to happen. That that feels systemically uh, it just incongruous, right? And here's the great thing. You can do what you want in your company. If you feel that Absolutely. pressure, you can do it. And right, if Bill right. Gates wants to not do that yep. and then give it all his money at the end, you can do that too. Yep. That's, that's what the, I, you know, it's interesting. I like the fact that you're not buying into my total picture of this and yeah, I think I, it's a good punch up. I, yeah, I have like a little bit of a, um, there's so many, so many uh, points of privilege that I was, I was, I benefited from sure. uh, that I wouldn't say it was all my effort. So like, for example, I'm personally fine with paying more in taxes because I've seen how much that, yeah. like that infrastructure, like Sergi and I, my brother and I, uh, the first two months we worked from a library for free Yeah. Uh, in order to get Webflow off the ground. We couldn't afford like a co-working space. Yeah. Uh, and that is there because like- um, You guys born in Russia? We were born in Russia, yeah. yeah so you have a different, an even different level of appreciation right. for we came what we here, have in America. Right, yeah, as refugees when I was nine. Um, so See, our that's the other crazy thing about this goddamn president who Absolutely. wants to stop people like you from coming into this country. Mm -hmm. This is why we have to stop this maniac from deploying a, an immigration policy that will stunt our ability to have people like you come here. It's short-sighted, it's xenophobic, it's it's literally the, I mean, the what's the goal there? To, to rile up um, yeah. kind of more white supremacists to yeah. support them. Like it's, it's a cheap shot. It's, it's so cheap, and then let's unpack it for a second. We allow you, mm -hmm. Russians, mm -hmm. from a communist authoritarian country to come here. Mm -hmm. You appreciate that opportunity so much absolutely, that you are willing to work for a year to build mm -hmm. this company. Mm -hmm. You create massive wealth for a large team of people that enables the next generation mm -hmm. of builders. Mm -hmm. If you weren't allowed into this country, you had to stay in Russia, what would you be doing? Okay. Working for the state as a hacker? So even worse, uh, this is, I just have to share this story because do it. Uh, my direct cousin, so my my mom's sister's uh, son, who was, you know, same age as me, we grew up together uh, just down the street. They ended up moving into our house once we left Russia. Um, I visited Russia in 2007 with my wife um, and I had a conversation with him around like what he's doing for a living. He gets up at uh, so his job is to work for a government agency um, that gets paid by I don't remember if it's the World Bank or the IMF some some sort of international NGO, organization yeah. that that incentivizes countries uh, especially BRIC countries to reduce carbon emissions. Um, so his job is to go like find leaks in pipelines, gas pipelines, and close them, uh, and then document that and. Um, uh, make sure that it's listed in like some monthly ledger, and then and then the government, the local government, gets paid for that. That's his job from ten to five. Uh, from six to nine thirty, his job is to go and open leaks in pipes so that he can discover them later oh in the day. Oh my lord! So like how dysfunctional and. and, and, and complete hit on his like morality he he hates doing this right this is the only thing he can do to put food on the table yeah. he like his his like 
the boss that is working at the kind of crony local government. Yeah. Like this makes me feel terrible just talking about this. Um, he has no other. He has complete control over yeah. over my cousin, uh, and and he's like just heartbroken that he has to do this work, yeah. and and that, that I'd probably be doing something like that. Yeah, like, this that's is the insane. problem. See, socialism looks like a great great on paper. Everybody shares equally, yada yada, and then you put people in charge, and it the human nature is it turns into totalitarianism, and you know that because mm-hmm. you lived it. Mm-hmm. You got a generation here who thinks that's that's pretty good to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let everybody get the same thing. Let's have no incentive structure. And then we have no incentive structure. You know what people do? They create it. They create it in the underground. And they start paying people off in corruption, and right. you know power corrupts. Yeah, it's. A, I mean, it's a not to get too political here, but I think it's yeah, a it's, it's, it's a spectrum. <laughs> it's a spectrum, right? Of course, like yes. A safety net. The reason it actually took me two years longer to start Webflow because I was worried about health insurance. Yeah. Uh, I would have started it earlier had, was there a um, a safety net where I didn't have to worry about my kids yeah. being sick? It is. Socialism is completely a spectrum. Mm-hmm. We give K through 12 in this country for free. Absolutely. If we gave K, pre-K through mm-hmm. 14, which would be like, you know, or nursery school plus right. two years of trade school, yeah. it's no difference. It wouldn't be any sweat off our backs here to do a little bit. and Absolutely. But if you present it as free college and the interpretation is yeah, go $200,000 in debt to some crazy school as opposed to a trade school for two years, you know, then that's the incentives the, are not aligned. Yeah. And, and you have things discussion. like, um, things that are just like straight up bad for business, mm-hmm. uh, but they feel like they're being, um, you know, anti-socialist. Mm-hmm. So for example, uh, the United States is one of the only, actually, I think the only developed country that has zero mandated, um, like, parental leave weeks yeah, that you no that you can't leave a job without risking losing it. Yeah, it's crazy. It's it's just nuts. Like yeah. it it's bad yeah. for the businesses where those people work for them to be, you know, freaked out or, or not being 100%. able to like, So so there's like a a, a huge gradient where yeah. we can't let, you know, kind of I don't know. Like the the, the great thing about the discussion we're having here is you and I maybe don't agree on everything. Sure. But we can have a rational discussion about it. And the mm-hmm. problem when you put a despot into a democracy like we have, mm-hmm. a narcissist, despotic person, is they shut the discussion down by letting the extremes take it over. Right. By the way, ha- there's, there's the same thing going on in Russia. Which was right. Putin's playbook. Yep. I mean, yep. his entire playbook is to yep. cause chaos around the world so he doesn't look so bad. Right. Right. And to make people feel like, well, you know what? <laughs> look at America. Like, they're killing yeah. each other based on the color of their skin. Like, right. eh, maybe the breadline's not so bad. Mm-hmm. Right, when we get back from this break, I want to talk about how you deploy um, this huge windfall of an investment, uh, which you know a lot of people get excited about that and think you won this prize, but it is an obligation, mm-hmm. and how you plan on deploying the capital and getting to the next level uh, with Webflow when we get back on This Week in Startups. Oh my God, LinkedIn Talent Solutions. I love this product. We use it. We got so many great team members using LinkedIn Talent Solutions. There's over 600 million members at LinkedIn. And why do they go there? Well, why do you go there? Why do I go there? The great feed news to make connections, to meet people, to uh, share information, maybe to update your resume, uh, your profile page. Well, hiring is so easy that a new hire is made every eight seconds on LinkedIn. Think about that. And they will get your job in front of the right people at the right time, whether you need hard or soft skills. Maybe you need someone who's a great negotiator. Maybe you need someone who's a great coder. You're going to find all those people. And here is my CMO, Presh, 
creating a job posting for our new success manager. And that's a position in our Toronto office. And he sets a daily budget. He also puts in some skills needed, writes a description, adds additional screening questions. And those screening questions are so important. You can really tell who's really a great hire and who is indifferent. You don't want those drive-by people who are just sending their resume 100 people doing a spray and pray tactic. You want the person who's going to write two paragraphs in one of those open-ended questions. And you can do this all within minutes by going to linkedin.com slash twist. You're going to get a 50, a 50, 5-0 in the building. Uh, terms and conditions, of course, apply because it's such a generous deal. But go ahead and get started. Go ahead and fill those positions you need at the greatest job site in the world, LinkedIn Talent Solutions. Okay, let's get back to this amazing episode. Hey, everybody, welcome back to an amazing episode of This Week in Startups. Listen, everybody says, Jason, you're a great interviewer. Podcast is amazing. Uh, all true. However, I can only do uh, a great show. I can do a good show with an okay guest, but I can only hit that great show when I have a great guest. And man, Vlad, you're hitting it out of the park today. You're fearless. You'll talk about anything. I love it. I love Russian people, I'll be honest. Mm-hmm. When the Russians moved into Brooklyn, Brighton Beach, mm-hmm. everybody's like, oh, the Russians are here. Mm-hmm. And you know me... You're how old are you? I am 36. Okay, I'm 48, so I'm mm-hmm. a little older than you. In the 80s, mm-hmm. they programmed us to think the Russians were this like maniacal, oh, yeah. Ferengi, Borg, like the most dangerous group of people in the world. Uh-huh. And they were going to murder us with nuclear bombs. And we watched the day after, and they literally programmed us in school. The Russians are the worst people on the planet. These yep. are the next Nazis. And then they showed up in Brooklyn. Yeah. <laughs> And they're having a great time. Caviar, Bellinis, vodka, dancing. Yeah. They opened up restaurants, pierogies, Bellini. Everything was great. Uh-huh. They were just like the Greeks and the Italians and the Irish in Brooklyn. They loved life. They had a zeal for life. That's the power of propaganda. I mean, isn't that what Trump is trying to do with uh, all other people? Like exactly. try to paint people into some yeah. sort of fearful. And by the way, Russia was doing the same thing. Like my both of my parents were trained in elementary school to run drills against evil Americans, right? Yeah. Like, you know, what you did would... they portray us as? Because they portrayed you guys as like this cold hearted, like, uh, like almost like Nazis, like, mm-hmm. like these, mach- these people who would die for their state on the hill. I'd have to. Yeah, uh, it, I wonder. It's very similar to what North Korea. Like, if you've seen some of these North Korean propaganda yeah. about America, it's very similar. Yeah. In the sense that the decadent, you know, they they don't care no about productivity, morals. no morals, exactly. Amoral, like, yeah. you wouldn't wear. Uh, you know, there was this uh, campaign to. There's a lot of bootleg jeans. Like people yeah. saw jeans as like you know Ooh. we see them in movies. Uh, there's no way to buy them because the state isn't producing them, etc. So there's all this propaganda where like oh if you wear jeans you're immoral or you're like you're you're falling into the American trap uh, of uh, you know like not caring about your your community or your commune, yeah. uh, your state, etc. So all all sorts of stuff. Um, I have the ultimate way to flip North Korea. It's just so easy. All you have to do is invite Kim Jong. Mm-hmm. Un, Il, whoever, yeah. any of those guys, uh-huh. they love the NBA and they love <laughs> movies. Uh-huh. You get those guys courtside tickets, you let them come to the Oscars, yeah. forget it. The nukes are gone. Once those guys hit the red carpet uh-huh. or they see courtside in the finals, right. like your boy J. Cal, once they have that experience. <laughs> yep. Culture culture drives change. They are done. You don't, mm-hmm. you sit courtside at an NBA finals game and you're mm-hmm. dapping players and yeah, you're yeah. talking to the players. And you go to the Oscars or the Emmys and you're meeting mm-hmm. celebrities. You get Netflix, you get Mindhunter, all these great right, series. Right. Like, forget it. We'll flip them. Um, 72 million bucks, a lot of, lot of, a lot of money. Uh, you got to put it to work. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, I'm assuming you guys got to take a little chip chip, a little uh, secondary there after all your suffering. Uh, a little bit. Not this time. We uh-huh. did. Uh, um, we did clean up the cap table a little bit. I'll great. just say that. Nice. Yeah. That's a great innovation in Silicon Valley. Letting the founders clean up the cap table, take a little mm-hmm. secondary, takes the edge off mm-hmm. for all that suffering, and lets you go long. Yep. Um, when you raise this amount of money, it kind of puts you on the IPO track. Is that the, what the uh, honestly, investors that, expect, or are they honestly, just like that, double revenue every year? It, it th- that hasn't even been that okay. word hasn't been mentioned. We actually had a town hall with Excel uh, at huh. at Webflow, and somebody asked that question from our employees. Yeah, um, and it just hasn't been discussed because they're they're typically with a lot of VCs, you have like five to seven year windows, mm-hmm. uh, sometimes ten year windows for for funds. With Excel and this particular um, fund that we're in, I mean, it's it's the California Pension Fund, it's the Canadian Pension Fund. Like these, okay. they're going to exist have, in 10, 20 they're years. They're like a hundred uh, year time horizon yeah. types of multiply your money. Um, so of course we're talking about how to like the big conversation is not about revenue. The big conversation it's it's actually we're thinking about things that will actually decrease revenue potentially because we like go for adoption. Got it. Um, the whole uh, the whole um, equation here is how do we maximize Webflow's long-term mission? Mm-hmm. How do we get a lot more people creating more software sooner, learn how to do that? It's almost like the Microsoft strategy yeah. when they let like a software be pirated in- Yeah, Office you know, was like, yeah, if you want to yeah, take like, Office, whatever. go for it. Right, we're not yeah. going to go and like build an enterprise sales team and like yeah. shake everyone we'll talk down to you in for 10, money, 20 years. Et cetera, et cetera. Talk to you in 20 years. So this funding was about like a couple things. Like one is um, we sort of raised it under the pretense that we'd never raise again, right? So we mm-hmm. have to have enough- Last little... round of funding. Exactly, like whether, whether some- you know, if like this frothy environment comes down or like a recession hits, whatever, we'll, we'll be in a good position. Sort of like the PayPal solution mm-hmm. uh, to the the dot com crash, right? Where they just close around and then everybody else went out of business. But because uh-huh. they had like a very healthy balance sheet, they could just innovate yeah. for like the next five years. So uh-huh. smart. I had um, the founder of Canva on. Uh, they yeah. purposely lower the price mm-hmm. and don't raise the price mm-hmm. because they just want to get everybody addicted to using it. It's it's so all smart. about adoption. Yeah. Uh, we're not gonna we're not gonna devalue the product to where. What does it cost now? What do people it's pay? Like twenty bucks, uh, up to hundred bucks a month. Isn't SaaS like amazing? It's like twenty bucks a month, and the product just gets better yeah. and better and better, and the price stays the same. I mean, we we definitely have a lot more work to do to deliver way more sort of enterprisey features for like larger. Um, uh, larger marketing teams, larger startups, et cetera, where it's more seed-based, right? So we have some customers right now that are paying like 50K per year. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it sort of depends on on what what that business or, or startup needs, et cetera. Right. Um, but definitely we, we never want the product to, to be beyond what an individual can be empowered by. Because you can always build and go uh, like, build stuff for the enterprise and it's hard to take an enterprise product and make it a consumer product yeah, no, right it's um but it's magical when you have something that an individual can use to build something from start to finish and then you can have a team used to like 10x yeah. that degree uh and still find success in it so you unlock the multiplayer mode after exactly. single player mode exactly. it's a really great moment i think that's canvas moment right mm-hmm. now is that yep. They had all these people using individually, and then all of a sudden they're like, "Oh, you're using it too? Oh, right. okay. Why don't we put all of our standard, you know, designs in one right, place, right. and then everybody can see everybody else's work?" Right. In, uh, and real most time. of the value in Webflow is not just in the design piece, because mm-hmm. Webflow is all about creating software from like the design to like the building, the implementation, the collaboration phase to actually launching and scaling. 
So, so much of the value is in like, even if you get, let people design for free yeah. on a freemium plan or whatever, and then they upgrade to a site plan to actually host the thing in production. Yeah. Then you have like the value of like, content collaborators, then you have like traffic and there's so many, or you, we now support e-commerce so you can actually run a store, wow. uh, which is just just like Shopify, but now with a visual uh, interface to it. Yeah. So you don't need a development team to go like do all that custom work. Um, so what about I'll, apps? You ever gonna be able to just drag and drop and make an, I, that's an app a, in the app store? Because I I know people had tried those templated app products yeah, and they there's sucked. There's so many of them. There's so yeah, many of them. So suck. our strategy there is to really double down on the web for now. Mm. Uh, but the, the the magical thing is a lot of work is being done for us. There's now something called progressive web apps, yeah. which is essentially- Like React. Uh, exactly. Yeah. But it's uh, the way that it's delivered mm. to a phone on an Android, it just looks like an app. It feels uh, like an app. Yeah, snappy. It's just not iOS or um, it's not iOS code like Objective-C or yeah. Swift or whatever. And it's not native Android. Yeah. It's just basically a wrapper around an, uh, what what is essentially what a website. The, what do the app stores think of those? Are they going to allow them? So uh, I know I, iOS has been pretty gnarly iOS, about that. yeah, they're very protective of their app store, but they just uh, made some moves that allow service workers and all this sort of technology behind the scenes to um, to be allowed on iPhones. Yeah. I'm not sure exactly when they're going to make it a first-class citizen, Yeah, uh, but I think they're already getting a ton of market pressure. What, what is their thinking of they just don't want to flood the store? They have a hard time dealing with Swift and you know, Objective-C apps, and they're just like, I don't want a bunch of people flooding the app store with apps and I think they're they have a disincentive because they make you know billions of dollars through the app store yeah uh, and you have to pay Apple now to essentially be at like there's there's not much of a discovery uh, benefit to the app store because there's millions of apps yeah. uh, that you have to acquire users through like Facebook etc to, to climb those lists um, so you businesses that are small that are not in like the top 100 they don't they don't get the advantage of the app store they essentially it's essentially a barrier between a user and the actual app because they have to go know the name of the app they have to go find it they have to uh you know press install etc if you could actually if those businesses which is the vast majority of businesses right they're they're not these like top 100 um, most trafficked applications if they could just have a button on their website that says like install Mm. Um, and it goes right on on my app and behaves like an app, and I don't have to go through the the app store and it's constantly updated yeah. because of how progressive Good web enough. apps work. Yeah, yeah it's Good great. Enough. And for like eighty percent of uh, apps, uh, and that number is rising, it's the perfect thing. It's uh, and it's performant. It has like all the access to like a camera or you know location, etc. Like the web platform is really really catching up to what you can do uh, in apps. It's just a matter of Apple having to be pressured enough socially. Uh, mm. to allow that as yeah. a first-class citizen because they're, they're monetary incentive. they should charge people for the app review mm -hmm. so that they can increase the number of app reviewers and make it a better process. Probably, yeah. Because they're like, yeah, it's free to put an app, you know, to get your app reviewed, but it's just so arduous. And right. then because they don't make any, because it's a cost center yeah. uh, as opposed to a revenue center, you know, you wind up with this like drag of like we got rejected and they can't tell you why and it's mm -hmm. kind of like hard to get you know the issue reconciled right. if they just said you know it's a hundred dollars every time you want to have your app reviewed mm -hmm. uh, or you can buy a three hundred dollar a month pro account thirty six hundred dollars mm -hmm. a year and you can you know right. you'll be in the vip program you're going to get a person assigned to you you're going to build a relationship with them and they're going to talk to you then they can look at that and say you know what we're I, I question the entire like the entire value of the app store in general. It's almost mm. like like the app store feels like Yahoo was for the web. 
in the late 90s like you have to get yahoo's approval to be on the internet right or aol before that like you have to pay for a keyword to be like in the platform whereas like imagine if you had to approve website changes like that's ridiculous can i have my website approved exactly that's ridiculous trying to preserve experience i guess and and safety is i think their their counter argument which i get and it does make the iphone a little bit Less Windowsy or yeah, Androidy, true. so I, the, yeah, there are, there are definitely advantages. I always thought they should have a little checkbox, like a developer mode, mm-hmm. where you just say, if you want to, mm-hmm. you go into your phone settings and you say, I want to allow third-party app stores. I want to allow non-reviewed yeah, apps. Yeah, yeah. You click that; it makes you sign off on something, mm-hmm. and it you know maybe it contains them or puts them on a second page on right. your thing and says, or puts them in a red circle like this is a non-approved app. Right. And it's really super clear. They walk users through, like, if you start doing this experimental stuff, mm-hmm. make sure your phone's backed up and yep. be cool with your phone bricking because these people could brick it and your privacy is not going to be protected. But you right. can go into that developer mode. Yeah, I think that, like, for them, it's like the, the polished brand of everything, yeah. like, working together. It's like a religious thing yeah. for them. They're yeah. never going to do it. All right, listen. I understand you got some dad jokes in you. <laughs> Hit me with one. Let's go. I got oh, dad gosh. jokes. You got dad jokes? Oh, you're reviewing them. You're reviewing them. Reviewing them? I'm reviewing them. Wait, these are your I'm dad t- jokes? Here we go. My daughter, an intellectual. Did Steve Jobs accomplish more than Donald Trump? Me, a dad. You're par- comparing apples to oranges. Well played. <laughs> well played. Very nicely. You do know why six was afraid of seven. Uh, yeah, because seven, eight, nine. Very good. Yeah. Very good. Very good. Okay. Do, you know, do you know what makes a, oh, this is. Is your child texting about JavaScript? BFF, Bay Function, <laughs> LOL, Logistic Operations, Lit. DTF, dev tools. Okay, we got it. Yeah. Okay. Do you know what makes a good dad joke? Uh, or what differentiates a dad joke from a regular joke? Okay, you can say it in school and not get in trouble. No, that could be true for a joke. It's so corny that even it annoys even kids. It's close. Close? Um, it makes kids roll their eyes. That's that's actually oh actually I have another one like that mm-hmm. um, but the the true definition is and you have to listen to it carefully uh, with a dad joke the punchline is apparent. We're done. <laughs> I think we're done. <laughs> Drop the microphone. And actually, to that to that daughter one, I asked my um, I asked my daughter like what makes a good dad joke? Yeah. Uh, and she said when it's not funny. <laughs> Here we go. I started talking to my kids like a VC. Dad, I need money for a phone. Sorry, I don't invest at that stage. Dad, I made $5 helping my teacher today. Hmm, sounds like service revenue. <laughs> Dad, this pay- what's this paper in the fridge? It's like Uber, but for chores. <laughs> Very well played. Um, well, you, you know why melons um, have weddings, right? Why melons have weddings? Yeah. Oh, because they can't elope. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Wow. You're really, you're dialing it in here. All right, yeah. Uh, why did the uh, Scarecrow win an award? Oh, um, he was uh, outstanding in his field, I believe. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're, I guess you're on, the re- you're on the subreddit, so I'm not going to win <laughs> this one. Um, I'm going to give you like a real world one. Uh-huh. Here's a real world one. This one is one of my go-tos with my daughters. Uh, we go to the restaurant. Yeah. Check comes. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the check's coming to me. Uh, and then I get that. And it works with adults, too. Uh-huh. I get the check. I open it up. Uh-huh. And then I hold it up. I put my hand on my forehead. And I go, oh, my God. Oh, $18 for pasta? This makes... Oh, my Lord. Tips. And 
it makes everybody super uncomfortable. Uh-huh. And you, the trick is to do it until the waiter comes up and says, is there something wrong, sir? Mm-hmm. How can I help mm-hmm. you? Yeah, yeah. And if you lean into it and you do this joke every time, uh-huh. somewhere around like years two or three, yeah. which is what it's gotten to it's now. It's a long buildup. Everybody takes their phone out when the check comes and uh-huh. starts recording it. Because they know I'm going to do my, oh my God, the bill. And there's uh-huh. literally a photo of me now on the internet okay. doing this dad joke. The other really great one is um, I can't wait to come to um, Parent uh, Teacher Day mm-hmm. because I have some great new moves. And then I just play like whatever, you know, Katy Perry song right, is right, of right. the moment or, yeah, you know, yeah. Taylor Swift. And then I just break out some awesome dad moves. Just like the floss. And my daughter just <laughs> No, stop. You cannot come to my school and dance like that. And I said, but they're having the embarrassing dad talent show. Uh-huh. They didn't tell you about the dad talent show? Love it. And she's like, no, they didn't tell me about the dad talent show. I'm like, you didn't, they just emailed us. They said they're having a dad talent show. 12 dads can perform. And I responded quickly and uh-huh. I got the third slot. So I'm going to be in the dad talent show. And they said you <laughs> could like do it mortified. with me. And my daughter actually believed there was a dad talent show because she was just in the kid talent show. And I was like, yeah, just to, they wanted to balance it out and give dads. Yeah, yeah. And you can, you will watch. How old are your kids? Uh, eight and ten. Oh, eight's perfect. Yeah. Eight and ten's perfect. Yeah. They will. Have you been to a Katy Perry concert? Are you, I have not. I'm. Uh, You're not. I'm a, dreading that. I don't know when's going to happen. But oh, yeah, I went to yeah. Katy Perry. Oof. Yeah. Oh my. With oh, your daughter? Yeah, I took my daughter Katy Perry. Okay. It was. Yeah. Special. Speaking of being embarrassed at school, I was. Uh, uh, we were at some dinner, like eating sushi, actually. Uh, and my daughter, uh, like, holds up uh, a roll and, like, kind of licks it. I'm like, that's really embarrassing. Yeah. I said, that's really embarrassing. Yeah. She's like, well, now you know what I feel like when you come to school. <laughs> so awesome. All right. That's it. This week in dad jokes. Uh, everybody go check out Webflow. It's awesome. Uh, and uh, Presh and Sam, congratulations. You got two super fans here. You got to take a couple pictures with people here because they are Webflow uh, junkies. All right. Continued success. Everybody check out Webflow.com. And most importantly, November 13th. You're having the first no-code conference. Where is it going to take place? Uh, it's taking place here at uh, SVM West. Uh, what is on, SVM West? It's a venue. Oh. Uh, it used to be a car dealership, actually. Oh, okay. Interestingly, it was the SVM West. I got you. SVN West. Um, but yeah, it's November thirteenth, and it's the first no-code related industry conference. We're just Great. introducing the world to this concept. Of so you'll have a bunch mean. of different vendors there, a bunch of different exactly. thinkers talking about right. it. You're you're talking not the about, only person doing it. Right. We're you, like basically talking about this concept of right now software superpower. Powerful. Mm. You have like kids in their garage mm. creating multi-hundred billion dollar companies. We got to do a uh, startup competition. I'll come and judge. We, yeah, that'd be fun. And and it's it that's that's like that movement is starting because right now all these all this software that's all around us right is created by zero point two five percent of the world. That's how many people know how to code. One out of four four hundred. If we can make that forty out of four hundred, uh, or two hundred out of four hundred. Like, holy crap, yeah. what's going to happen to... It's like the promise of Dreamweaver, if you remember that back yes. in the day, or Hot yep. Dog, which went yep. public in Australia. Like, mm-hmm. There was a whole crew of people who were using right. Dreamweaver and Hot Dog to make websites and pages yep. by dragging and dropping. It was a mm-hmm. little clunky back then, right, but right. it's you know it's very sophisticated. Now, all right, we'll see you all next time. Bye-bye. 